Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogues Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Episode 403 of the Roguecast, recorded February 7th, 2023. Obsessed with the brown noise. Alright, you might have noticed we were not here last week. Uh, maybe you didn't. Maybe maybe you don't still have the power. Maybe you're not listening to this now. I don't know. <laughs> was that our only skip week, or, or, or have we had two skip That weeks? was our only skip week. <laughs> okay, we, there was a possibility we might this week, because everything is crazy, yep. because there was an ice storm. There was an ice storm. All yep. the trees are gone now. Yeah, I hope everybody is okay out there, and maybe has power back. Yeah, we... I don't think it, Dave. Dave had a brief power outage, but most of us we were okay. Nick lost all of his trees. I did. So I lost a lot. I, uh, I I fared okay this time. The store, we were not here for two days. For two days, yes. That uh, that made it harder to podcast. Yes, it did. It did. I, um, I, you know, I told you guys I was half thinking. Do you remember a few times during the pandemic we podcasted through Zoom or something yeah. like that? And I half I, I half considered calling you up and saying like, "Hey, you guys want to do this?" But we didn't get around to it. We didn't no. get around to it. Everybody was cold. Uh, so yeah, so we're uh, we're still catching up on stuff. Uh, we just got Diamond Comics, the indie comics from last week today. Yeah, I think I think when we talk about comics, we'll kind of cover a little bit from like the odds and ends from the last week or two yeah. or three. Stuff, no, just just last week. Just and this two. Week. Okay, yeah, it's not it's not it's not that long. Okay, <laughs> feels like it's been a bit. I know. I understand. Uh, but yeah, we will be talking about comics for this week and last week. And we do not have our indie comics for this week, so we'll probably talk about that next week. Yep. Um, but, before we do that, uh, today is our 16th anniversary. I don't know if you guys know that. Oh, nice. The store opened, six, we were at Rogue's Gallery 16 years ago today. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Let's give ourselves a big round of applause. Yay. Hey, we've done all right. We made it through a pandemic. It's true. I mean... And, and several ice storms. And more to come. Storms. Yeah, that's no doubt. Uh, we, we haven't even gotten to the firestorms that will nope, happen, nope. Uh, to uh, massive winds, the dust storms, uh, probably. And, and Swamp Thing attacking. Swamp Thing attacking and, and, and the Goblin Uprising. And the Goblin Uprising. And don't forget the Tornado Twins. <laughs> the tornado. Goblin Uprising and the Tornado Twins. <laughs> um, this is the start. It is February, so it is the start of our uh, inventory sale. Um, so we've got graphic novels. Role-playing games, well, not a lot of role-playing games. Graphic novels, um, board games, some miniatures, all at 50% off on our table. Yep, yep. Uh, there's some good stuff in there. We're, we're clearing out a lot of the pre-painting Critical Role miniatures. Yep. Uh, we are clearing out some... We have went through the all-ages graphic novel section for the first time in a while, so there's a bunch of all-ages stuff, including There's My Little Pony on there, Angry Birds. Uh, and we're going to be adding... A- some more stuff could, as we go through. You can supply more your kid and or kid's school or yep, whatever with yep. some really good books at a good price. Yep. Um, uh, or just pick up some fun stuff for them to read for, you know, a little extras for birthday or Christmas. Yep. Uh, so there's, uh, there's a bunch of stuff on the... And it's, uh, it's just up. So it's basically, it's, it's at peak browsability right yep. now. You're going to have your peak number of choices. This is the time to come out and check it, check it out. See if anything grabs you. There's some good games in there, some good comics in there. Yeah, it's worth a look. Uh, we... Had it's a it's a lighter week for new games, um, but we did get uh, an older Kickstarter. We ordered uh, Kapow, which is a dice building game for the people that did Hero Realms and Star Realms. Right, those are games we like. Yep, uh, and this is a you actually like build. You put the face of the die, they click into place, and you change the dice, kind of like uh, that game Dice Forge, which is really fun. Yep, uh, it is a two player superhero game, but you can buy if you buy both packs, the heroes and the villains, you can get up to four players. Nice. And then uh, we got Oros, which is a new um, 
resource management game from Lucky Duck, the same guys who did Flamecraft and some other good games. That's one of the new games. And we got a restock on Cyborg. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that is, the, is that's to say, from the original, or from the creators of Morkborg, the uh, sort of metal-ish style uh, fantasy, dark fantasy RPG. And they've got an upcoming kind of dark pirates I want, one. I want to see the table you roll for cyborgs. Uh, <laughs> like, th- So one of the things these guys love to do, aside from their having these really fun production designs that kind of look like cool metal art and stuff yeah. and they have these acidic colors like yellows and, and, and like sort of motley greens and stuff the, the design layout is always kind of fun on these books um, they love tables in them yeah. they like the <laughs> lots of random tables so uh, I know that like I, I, I kick started their pirate one which which is which is a lot of fun I've had a lot of fun browsing through it and made up a character for it and there's a thing, it's like, oh, you spend a night carousing. Roll 3d6 to see what happened to you. Then roll another 3d6 and roll another 3d6. And it's like, you, you know, got drunk uh, and were, you know, with a mermaid and woke up in the morning, you know, um, with a, uh, a haunted doubloon or whatever. Like, it, like <laughs> it, is, uh, it is crazy stuff, but you could, it'd be, like, really good to, like, kickstart story ideas. Uh, some of them, it's, it, you know, it's some of it's a little a little goofy, but a lot of it's stuff that, like, really will prompt narrative stuff. Um, and they're all kind of, they, they use sort of, uh, I think they're considered, um, uh, what is it, OSR? Is that what they call, like, yeah. the kind of old school D&D? Yeah, 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 old school D&D style stuff. But it's like they're all—they're all meant to be kind of a very brisk version of that. You might ha- use the three D six to make your stats on them, and get the bonuses in a kind of traditional D and D ish type way. But there's not a lot of rules to these, um, so I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna look through the cyborg one uh, and see how that looks. That sounds fun. You know, it's their version of a um, oh god, what is it? Cyber, cyber cyberpunk? Yeah, 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 all of that sort of stuff, Blade Runner ish type things, but corporate stuff and uh, it. I, I would say it's a highly playable one. Like, you know, if you kind of find something like, uh, what's the, uh, the 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 long running one? Fantasy and uh, cyberpunk stuff makes Shadow no, Shadow, Run. Shadow Run. If if Shadow Run's rules and deep lore that run many books kind of seem intimidating to you, this sort of digest size, but still like with lots of good kind of meaty ideas and prompts. Uh, story would be a good like medium. I think that if that or the like the cyberpunk game itself, um, uh, th- this is a I think a good a good option that is not going to be too overwhelming. All right, let's uh, let's talk about comics for the week of February first and February eighth. Uh, let's start with Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, which is the first uh, miniseries in the Sins of Sinister. It's going to be three connect three connected miniseries. Yeah, and and essentially I think it's labeled what part two. Uh, so yeah, there's. The first Sinister One-Shot starts it, and then this is... There are three issues that are year 10. Yep. And then issue two of all will be year 100, and then issue three will be year 1000. Okay. This is a... This is a, you know, uh, for those people who remember the, the 90s uh, Age of Apocalypse storyline that was an alternate timeline where Apocalypse ruled all of, of the mutant landscape. Uh, I, you know, I haven't read enough of this to say, and Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but but broadly, similar thing for Mr. Sinister, probably accomplished in different way. Yeah. Sinister uh, enacted a plan that basically uh, gained him control of the world, and then that uh, control spun wildly out of control uh-huh. when other versions of himself uh, basically took took it over from him. 
That's uh, that's the worst when you're so ambitious that alternate versions of yourself thwart your own ambitions. And the only one that it didn't work on was Storm because she was too powerful and she had something implanted in her brain. Yeah. Uh, Storm is the ruler of Arako, who, which is the Mars essentially. Yep. Uh, and right. For, if you haven't been reading X Men in the last what year, yeah. they've they've set up a base, a city. I don't actually know. It's like Krakoa's twin island. Aren't there right? like Martian mutants? Or yeah, yeah. Like some, She's got a whole like. This, cl- this has to do with the X of Swords stuff. Yeah. You mean uh, that they're actual Martian aliens, or like just people who live on Mars? Martians? Just people who live on Mars, or okay. mutants who live on Mars. Fair enough. Uh, but. There are a couple people you'll recognize, but yeah, this is uh, Storm trying to enact a plan that will maybe reset the timeline. Okay. Uh, so it kind of has a very similar feel to uh, Age of Apocalypse. Is it grim and gritty? Uh, a little bit, but there's there's definitely some like jokes thrown in. And uh, there's What's actually the grim and gritty level compared to Age of Apocalypse. Not as grim and gritty because that Alpha. Uh, Age of Apocalypse had like them stepping on human skulls and stuff like Terminator style. Pretty grim, there was grim. not there was not any of that here. Pete Grite. That's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good first issue. I, I like uh, who wrote this. Al Ewing. Al Ewing's portrayal uh, yeah. of uh, of Storm. Is that Paco Medina on our? Uh, that actually tracks. And there's a new mutant in here that I I I, I assume this is his first uh, point, but he might have shown up in. Uh, is it Immortal X-Men that was dealing with all the Storm... Or is it X-Men Red? That know. is all the Storm stuff. I think it's Red. I don't know. Uh, but he's a really cool character uh, that has cool powers that I was like, oh, this is neat. Okay. Uh, he fires, like, flame... like Kind of like Archangel's blades, but they're, yeah. like, flamed. It's okay. just kind of a cool idea. I have one final question for you. Yes, what is your question? Um... Uh, let's see, does, could somebody, they, they did an alpha issue that yeah. kind of is like the bookend to the whole premise of this. If somebody just reads this on its own, can they read it on their I own? I think you could. It's going to make more sense if you had read uh, the Do we first chance one. have that still? Yeah, we still yeah, have it. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was one of those. Sometimes, you know, those things sell out. Yeah, suddenly. It's true. We still have well, okay. okay. number one. Cool, so you can get in on it. Yeah. All right. Um... We have Red Goblin number one. This is a follow-up from the Venom event and also Dark Web. So basically this is Normie Osborn, Norman Osborn's grandson, uh, who now, he developed a rivalry and friendship with Dylan Brock, the son of Venom. Okay. And then in the wake of uh, Dark Web, Dylan gave uh, a little piece of alien symbiote to Normie, and now he's the Red Goblin because it's like a little mix of carnage thing. But it seems like he's trying to be sort of a good vigilante. He's just got some... Mental issues that are leading him to be a little more crazy. So you have a baby venom I, and a baby carnage. I can carnage. understand that. Yeah. I empathize with that. A baby carnage. You have a baby venom and a baby carnage yeah. running around. Yeah, uh, you know, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Red Goblin sees that visual people like. You know, we've had, we've had the box for it for a couple weeks, and people have been excited about it. So yeah, it's a new new symbiote and a new goblin. He's a dark protector. He's a dark protector. <laughs> Lethal protector. A, uh, he's the hero we need, not the hero we deserve, <laughs> or vice versa. Uh, there's a new X Men book, Bishop War College. In which Bishop teaches the College of War, I assume. I, uh, I did not read this one, Just from making the sign, I saw that it seemed to be about the sort of elite team he'd put together as the for the defense of Krakoa. Yeah. Um, and this is actually not tied into the big crossover, not tied into Sins of Sinister. Um, so, yes, this is... I, you know, I don't know if this was just something that... I don't know why they're running it while the Sins of Sinister is sort of taking over the other X-Books. But it, yeah, it seems like this is just something that would be happening in the normal X-Men timeline. I don't know. 
Yeah. You like Bishop? Yep. Um, I seem to remember it had, did it have pretty good art, Randy? I it have, does I have nice read it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Bishop story? Uh, I didn't read many Bishop stories. I, you know, just like his introduction and a few other things. So, uh, no. Did you ever read District X? I read a little bit of that. That was I pretty good. Was I solid. liked that. Yeah. That was him as, like, the police captain of Mutant Town, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bishop seems like a guy who gets reinvented a lot. He does. Yeah. I feel like I would want to sort of somewhat fall back on the classic, like, you know, stuff from his origin early issues. Uh, and a po- his powerful mane of jerry curl hair. Uh, <laughs> that was an awesome costume. It was. Like, it was. Just Bishop's old school look is good. They sh- I, would, I would readapt it and kind of go a little retro with him. Were I running things? But, uh, yeah. I don't, you don't, I don't like his red and yellow outfit that he is now? I, You know what? I don't like that cover, but when I was flipping through it, the interior art was pretty good and kind of uh, made me think it looked okay. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Uh, then we've got from last week, Silver Surfer Ghostlight. This is a new... It, it seems to be introducing a new hero. Uh, it's basically a family that has uh, their 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 father, I think, who died, was like friends of the Silver Surfer. This may come from the Stanley run or something, for all I know. Yep. And uh, they're going to be seem, seemingly going to be dragged into Silver Surfer adventures. Yep. It's like suddenly uh, this uh, Silver Surfer comes down and he's like, I know your dad, or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Silver uh, Surfer does that a lot. Yes. <laughs> we have uh, Star Wars Santa Staros, which is the... Uh, she was the uh, wife of Han Solo, briefly. And she also like traveled with Dr. Aphra. Yep. So she's like a, uh, she's another a space archaeologist adventurer. She's a rogue. She's yeah. a rogue. Uh, this, is her, this is her story. Yeah, she. Um, I guess she, she's been percolating in the comics for what, like five years more. I remember that Han yeah. Solo marriage story was a little ways back. Yeah, oh yeah, well, um, it was in Star Wars. So she's like been around on. a bit, and this is just a yeah. You get a miniseries. It's interesting because the character voiced by Wanda Sykes in uh, yeah the, the recent most recent Bad Batch or second most recent. And I wondered if it was Santa Staro. She didn't get named, but she feels like or she does feel like it. She felt like her. Oh, interesting. Um, there's uh, from last week, um, Bloodline Daughter of Blade, which is the. Uh, this is a project that was like originally Tim Seeley was going to do this, uh-huh. and then it got it got scratched. But this is the new version of it. Um, basically, it's a young girl who discovers that her dad is a vampire hunter, and she's like like teenager, right? Yep. yep. Um, so sh- does she become a vampire hunter? Yeah, uh, we will see. I think even Not in yet. that first issue, there there is like an altercation in it. Well, her mom knows how to fight vampires. Okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> ah, okay. I guess if you if you date Blade. You probably pick that up, yeah. even if that's not already among your skill list. But maybe she was like a vampire fighter back in the day to herself. So it's possible. But anyway, it's a it's an interesting first issue, an interesting new character. Yeah, if you're looking to see some more Blade lore, it seems like Blade is going to have continue to like be have like a, a bigger role, right? He's getting a Marvel movie at some point. Yep. He's in that new Marvel video game that you're playing, Randy. Midnight right? Suns. Midnight yep. Suns. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there is a one shot called Batman Legends of Gotham. In which something is stolen. Is it basically like the knock list? It, it is, yeah. If you, if you um, it is sort of a, a list of a lot of. Uh, oh, it, you know that uh, the thing that Bendis created, Leviathan, yeah. the criminal organization. Yeah. It's like they, it's their, it's the secrets they got from everybody, including Batman. It's like they downloaded a lot of Batman's biggest secrets and stuff like that. It's going to be sold on like the open market, and um, what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, Red Hood. Is like going to like uh, bust up the place, yep. and while he's investigating it, he has to break into the Bat Cave because Batman, for whatever reason, he's kind of out of the picture right now. He's busy with some other miniseries or whatever. 
So he has to break into the Batcave to get some information, and while he's in there, like, the outsiders are like, what the hell are you doing? And they end up, you know, Batman's kind of two edgier allies, the outsiders and Red Hood, end up doing a reluctant team-up to go and stop this auction thing, which has, like, all these supervillains there. There's Killer Croc, there's Bane, uh, a lot of the bad people are there. Uh, but uh, but I kind of like this issue. Uh, Andy Diggle wrote it. Uh, yep. Diggle, who um, I don't know, most notably maybe wrote the Annihilation stuff or co-wrote it with uh, Marvel, but he's done a ton of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're looking for kind of a Batman one-shot and uh, you like some Red Hood uh, action, um, I, I recommend it. Um, from Dark Horse, we have Where Monsters Lie, which I like the premise of this. So it's basically all the different Friday the Thirteenth types killers all live in this sort of retirement village and then they go out and hurt. There's a little bit of that cabin in the woods, like there's an old woman who runs like a, a town and basically she sends them out to sow chaos and, and that kind of thing. Right. And, and this is somewhat t- darkly tongue-in-cheek. Yes, yeah. Uh, but uh, something happens that may draw police attention to this com- community of killers. Yep. I believe what happened the, based on when I was making the sign for it is that someone who was like, oh yeah, years ago I was terrorized at Crystal Lake or whatever. And by the way, these are analogs to them, not actual yeah. Jason. Yeah. Uh, but he was like terrorized, and he's like looking to get his revenge, and he like finds out about the secret community they're in. So I think he's like right in the midst of like Slasher Central. He's going to be going after him. It doesn't happen in the first issue. Um, that's the premise I was given. Okay. Uh, I wonder if that means that he will hunt them as if he were the slasher, a slasher for slashers. I don't know. The first issue is really good. It introduced all the the slashers in the town, and uh, it was very funny. There was like a guy who was kind of like a saw guy, right? Yep. Sort of evil yep. traps and stuff. Yep. Guy with a teddy bear on his head. Guy with a teddy bear on his head. Well, that's a classic. Um, Pierre Tomasi, a uh, longtime DC writer, has a new book called Blood Tree. Um, that is uh, seems to be detectives dealing with a fallen, literally a fallen angel. Um, seems like a sort of crime with a supernatural bent. Has really nice art. Is, is that one? That one's like a serious, serious art, right? Like, yes. like almost more like Constantine type. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's from Image, so you know, it's Image. Also from Image, we have Almighty. Dave, you read a little bit of this, right? Right, just a little bit. I was just taking a look at it, but I didn't have time to read the whole thing. It's uh, it's it's dystopian in that sort of Mad Max way. I'm talking wasteland future stuff, yep. marauders and things like that, which is a setting that I like. I, I kind of like the as as dark as those be uh, those can be. They're also usually kind of adventurey mm-hmm. a little bit in a way, and. Um, uh, it's one that I want to sit down and, and read all the way through. I thought the art looked pretty good in it, and uh, yeah, I want to see what see, see a little bit more about what the hook was. Cool. Uh, Static gets a season two with Shadows of Dakota, which I believe the I don't know if this is the same artist as last time. Oh, I'm not sure. Actually. But the artist is co-writing and have a bit of a different vibe. I'm, I'm actually liking it so far. It's a it's an interesting uh, start back up for Static. I think you said um, you liked it a little bit better than the first miniseries. Yeah, yeah, I did, uh, or at least the start um, of it. Yeah, so that's. They're about to do their season two, so they're doing Static season two and Icon versus Hardware. That's uh, which giving both of them a season two. And there's uh, also this, uh, we should mention they they put out a fun kind of facsimile reprint of the first issue of Static from like 1993. Yeah, here, which if you happen to be one of those people who bought it back in the day, you may remember it came like polybagged. It had a poster in it and a trading card and like like a print and stuff that would link with other prints. Uh, and the, of course, the comic itself. Didn't they also uh, last week release the Compendium Volume Two? Volume the, two. Yeah, the big, big giant trades. This yeah. one had the crossover with Superman, which is actually really fun. Yeah, it's like yeah. Superman and Steel go to Dakota and Dakota Metropolis almost merge. It's it's a really good story. Yeah, that's cool. 
Um, Amazing Spider-Man this week. They finished up Dark Web. This is a uh, fill-in issue by Joe Kelly with artist Terry and Rachel Dodson. And it is about Spider-Man and Black Cat on a, on a date. Ah. <laughs> but their date involves them fighting crime. Ah. <laughs> um, and then for me, this week, we had Daredevil, Secret Invasion, second issue of Joe Fix-It. You know, oh. that uh, Daredevil reminds me, we got a new statue this week. Oh, yeah. It's a Daredevil statue, as, as you know, the, the current Daredevil is Elektra, mm-hmm. uh, and has the, you know, the cool costume redesign. So, uh, we were surprised. Usually when the new characters appeared, they don't have the statues out that quickly. So this is a rare case where that is not the case. So y'all should, uh, you should check that out if you're a Daredevil fan. There was also, if you do manga, uh, and anime, My Hero Academia's All Might, yep. uh, also got a statue this week. Uh, and then Batman Spawn gets a reprint. If you missed that uh, one shot, the new Batman Spawn is reprinted this week. Uh, also, there's a new um, there's a there's a story from Vault called Barbaric that is about a barbarian who uh, has to do good with what's what's like with the rest of his life, and he has a bloodthirsty axe with a drinking problem that is his conscience. <laughs> uh, it's pretty fun. There are now two volumes available, uh, so you can check that out. The first volume is a ten dollar trade, so you uh, might want to give that a look. And then also I want to mention the uh, DC Universe by Dwayne McDuffie hardcover. Dwayne McDuffie, uh, Gone Too Soon, wrote a ton of good stuff, including a lot of the Milestone line. And he did Justice He produced Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. in the, what, early 2000s. Yep. Um, this has some of his, like, obscure DC work. So, like, a couple issues of The Demon. It's like the um, stuff that he wasn't on at length, but, like, you yeah. know, that he did a few issues for. A couple issues of Firestorm, an Impulse issue, a uh, an action comic, so... Uh, pretty good if you want to see some of the best writing in comics. Sounds fun. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, retro mention uh, the second issue of Scarlet Witch from last week. I'm continuing oh, yeah. to like yeah. that series, and uh, you know, you know, I know that there was there was a lot of people looking for more Scarlet Witch stuff right at the time that uh, Multiverse of Madness hit, and this is a pretty cool new series. You know, this is the one where she's got a magic shop right. that uh, draws people through sort of a magic door in it when they're in need, and she. You know, right now they're kind of doing each issue is sort of standalone. Yeah, there's there's sort of arcs and things building, but it's her and uh, what, what's her name, Darcy? Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, is that it? from yeah. Uh, from the Thor movies, right? Um, and yeah, but she's like I don't know her. She's her shopkeeper, sort of for, uh, yeah. for her, uh, and and among the supporting cast. Um, anyway, it's 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 another fun issue. It's good. Yeah. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about some news for the week and some TV shows we've been watching. And maybe a movie. Alright, so uh, the big news this week is the DC thing. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about a couple quick trailers. Or a trailer and a... When you say DC things, specifically the DC movies had huge announcements. Uh, Movies and TV. Yes. So, but let's talk about trailers first. Yep. Let's talk about this trailer for The Consultant, which is uh, Christoph Waltz. Chewing scenery is an evil video game yep. consultant. If you uh, uh, don't remember who Christoph Waltz is, he was the guy in Django Unchained. He who was not Django. Or, or better, <laughs> or he was Glorious the Chons Landa from uh, Inglourious Bastards. Bastards. That was the first place I saw him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or, if you're a weirdo, he was the horribly misused Blofeld inspector. Yeah. My God. What, that was so what a waste. Perfect casting. What a yeah, waste. He, he could have been an amazing Blofeld and they ruined it. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, he is a guy who can control a scene uh, with just his presence. Um, and here he is 
being a weird like CEO so, kind so of guy. So it's like it's like a mobile game. It's like the most successful mobile game. It looks like their CEO like kills himself in the office. Yeah, like suicide. Then, he comes in, and then he comes in and starts like acting really crazy and weird. He's, and he's the replacement for. Yeah, he's like he's the consultant. He's he, he's streamlining things in order to get up and running again. He does the Tesla thing where you have to come into work if you're working remotely. You have an hour to get here if you're not. Then Is you're that fired. a Tesla thing? Yeah, he did that. Or who 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 Elon does Tesla? Musk? Yeah, Musk said no one can work from home. You have to you have to come okay, in the office. Tracks, yeah. I was assuming <laughs> that there was definitely some Musk spoofery in this. Yeah, but it doesn't look like like it's like a dark satire. If it is yeah. like yeah. it's not like. He, well, there there is some humor to it. Like he is definitely like seems like he's a little office well, he, rocker, eccentric at the very best. I would yeah. say he's ha- he looks like he's having fun killing people and yes. dragging things upstairs. And right. It seems like there's bodies, <laughs> and he's like out at like some like uh, lunch with like some higher up or, or like somebody, and he's like. He's, how many, people, a, how many a, people think we could uh, fight here? Yeah, he's like looking in the bar and he's like, he's like, I think I could take three and you could take the other four. And the guy's like, is he what? serious? <laughs> um, it, it yeah, looks I believe little... it's a spoof of like the eccentric um, corporate heads that we've been getting these days, these billionaires and stuff like that, who uh, but, you're just like, I don't, what? But there's a <laughs> lot of uncomfortableness and yeah. I, I, yeah. the setups and stuff. So yeah, I, think, I, I think it looks I, good. I think it looks good. It's prime, so it's kind of a dark board. It could yeah. be good. It could be. Uh, it could be shit. But I don't know. I, it looked better than I was expecting. Well, what's the name of it again? The, the cons- consultant. The consultant. Yeah. Uh, and also the boogeyman. Right. This buzz. is this is like a movie movie. This um, is a movie movie. Uh, although a horror movie that is PG thirteen, based on a Stephen King short story in the. Uh, anthology night shift in the broadest terms I feel <laughs> yes yeah I, I haven't I just read the book the other day because I reread the like short story just because I I wanted to see what the vibe was before remember it because I read it as a kid yeah so decades ago uh, and I want to see what his vibe was before I saw the trailer and like Nick was saying it does seem like it's pretty uh, different the story is uh, mostly told over the course of a like uh, therapy session with a like a psychiatrist. Uh, from a dad who's kind of in the throes of some sort of like breakdown, like PTSD, PTSD, because he's had three kids over the course of several years, and they've like all died young. And he, yeah, you know, like he finds closets open. He thinks there's a weird boogeyman creature wow. that his own fears might have summoned and and created. Uh, and and there's not too much more to it than that. The book looks like it is more told. The, book, the movie looks like it's more told from the perspective of like like one of the actual kids, who I'm going to guess may not die. Um, <laughs> and uh, there is some creepy imagery in it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know the weird uh, mm-hmm. timing and stuff on how the closet's opening, uh, and then like suddenly like slamming open or slamming shut. Well, the scene where the kid looks under the bed is pretty creepy. That was really well shot. The, the juxtaposition of like turning upside down. The camera actually like kind of goes upside down with the kid as he looks under the bed, and he's got some kind of little glow globe sort of thing that he like rolls under the bed, and it, like he looks around at first. Doesn't so he? Yeah, that was a little girl. Uh, I don't you know. Said Sawyer. Uh, it's. I looked like a girl. I, I but... actually wasn't sure. I, I thought that you know sometimes people have long hair, and I wasn't hundred yeah. percent. 
Um, I'm going to say they, then. Sawyer, the youth. (laughs) The youth Sawyer. Um, Anyway, (laughs) but the little glow glow thing, like, rolls, like, right up to it, and there is, like, some sort of creepy face. There is a thing down there. And and you will see brief glimpses of whatever this thing is. Human-ish, humanoid-ish. Looks like more done to try and discover specifically what it is. Hallways lined with candles. And... It looks like it lives in the shadows. Right, right. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of the lights out vibe. If people mm-hmm. remember that internet short, which became a, a, a feature movie. Who's directing this? I oh, have yeah, no idea. Uh, this this looks interesting to me. I think um, reminds me. Remember the closet that we all liked? Uh, the that story. The, the the graphic. Oh closet. yeah, the James Tenyon thing. A little bit yeah, of that. Yeah. The monster in the closet. The For kid sure. being terrified. For that sure. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty basic fear. What's interesting is that it's a fear that I think always sticks around. Uh, to some degree, even if you're an adult, uh, you know, uh, you can be like have a closet door, an open closet door can be a little alarming. Well, that is because I did hire a man to stand in my closet with a baseball bat and come at me every now and then. So I would, it's, it's a self defense technique. Yours is yet yeah, less of a uh, creature loose in your house yeah. and more of a sort of insanity. So yeah, interesting. Like, it's how I it's how I learned to defend. You got to be got to be prepared for any situation. So every once in a while, Pierre just comes out he bat just swinging. Comes out with the bat swinging. Yeah. So interestingly <laughs> enough, I don't know why they didn't say this in the trailer. This is uh, Rob Savage, the guy who did uh, Host. Oh, oh that's okay. pretty notable. Host yeah. was very good. They should mention that. I mean, usually they'll do these like from the producers of these movies you like. They I mean, even have is the it end. possible they, they did and we missed it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I would have. Uh, that would have been you pretty know, noticeable. I, I think people may remember we talked about Host quite a bit. It was, it was a very good breakout yeah. during uh, during the pandemic's lockdown. It was it was when it was made. And it is told over the course of a Zoom call, like literally but, Zoom. But this is essentially him getting a, a bigger budget. Yeah, based it looks like on they this. looks like they they gave him a Stephen King movie, and they're like, "Hey, go see if you can be the next Mike Flanagan." Yes, yeah. no mangler. And, um, and I will say, a PG thirteen horror movie is not like a kiss of death for me or anything. No, I'll, I'll remind people that uh, PG thirteen includes The Ring and yeah, Six Sense. The ring. And, well, y'all uh, both appreciate Yaw fiction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But the ring is not yaw fiction. It is not yaw fiction. <laughs> it is it is uh, ah fiction. <laughs> it's scary fiction. Um, and the other thing, uh, the last in our the trilogy, uh, the back room, a series of shorts. Oh yeah, yeah. So I have only seen one of these shorts, and I know there's a number of them, but um, it's uh, the one that I saw that I think is the the it's the first of them. Is like a little ten minute horror short. It's gonna get, now it's gonna get made into a movie by A twenty four, and I, I think the guy who made the shorts is doing it. Like uh, he was a teenager last I knew. I, like he was like nineteen or something like that. Kane Parsons now, is his name. He's now like twenty two so. or something. Something Se- okay. like that. Seventeen year old director and VFX artist. Um, is he seventeen now? I don't. The, the 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 it's the press release. So maybe so. God. That's crazy. If you got to deal with A24 at 17, that's nuts. These guys just won like an, all the Academy Awards for Everything Everywhere all at once. Um, but anyway, um, uh, the, 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 
it looks like a student film is being made, what looks like, you know, high school or college students, like, making a film. And it's almost like, you know, uh, the, the way I was telling it to you guys is, if, you, uh, if you've if you ever played a video game where the graphics glitch and you, like, fall through the ground, yeah. that sort of happens to, like, somebody. They just, like, turn. Nothing in particular is happening when it happens. And it's almost like they just fall out of existence and they wind up in these weird labyrinthine, seemingly, like, never-ending corridors, maze-like corridors that are almost, like, otherworldly. They, they're sort of dystopian sentence that you could like keep on crawling and you will loop back on yourself and um and, and and be trapped in the forever and there is like a creature down in there and the only way i can easily describe it uh, is it looks like if you had like a child's like scribbles of like a just a weird tall man or something like that but like almost scribble art and mm. it came to life and it was like 12 feet tall uh, it's pretty unnerving looking, and the video only shows you glimpses of it. Yeah. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a little bit of other arcane symbols and stuff down in these corridors that suggest a story, and, but I haven't watched any of the rest of them. So I, even when I was looking it up a little while ago, I saw that there's videos that's like, you know, this, the lore of, what do they call it? The un, What's it called, Randy? Uh, the Back Room? The, yeah, it's like the lore of the Back Room series explained. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I don't know, this probably just conjecture and stuff. I imagine there's a lot of sort of loosey-goosey lore that they've built, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's straightforward. But I'm going to check them out. I liked I liked the short, and I think I'd... I think it could potentially be good as a movie, uh, you know, that builds it out and, you know, deepens the characters and stuff. Nick, you saw Lights Out, right? I did. Randy, did you ever see Lights Out? I don't think I did. Okay. It was solid. Yeah, it's 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 a solid little. That was like a good PG thirteen kind of uh, horror movie taken from a short that was like two three minutes long. It's yeah, real short. So anyway, all right, let's get into DC Universe. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so you've got the the rundown of everything. Yes. Yeah, so basically, uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran, uh, mm-hmm. they were they were about three months ago. They were uh, they were going to run the new DC Studios. The the basically the idea is they're going to. Reboot a little bit the DCU and make it competitive with the MCU. Right. Now, this is the third attempt to do this, I think. But I think this is the the first concerted effort that they're trying everything together. Yeah, I feel like together. the others were essentially soft reboots and well, stuff. Well, and they were like scattershot. They were like, oh, well, we're going to make this and this and this, but it's not going to be connected. These are all going to be connected, except for the Elseworlds, which they're officially calling Elseworlds. I am, as always, skeptical. Yeah. Uh, however, I do really like James Gunn, and I and I'm hope I'm hopeful, or I was more hopeful. The slate I'm not I'm not sold on. So let's let's run it down. Okay, so real quick though. First, the, the, one of the notable things that Gunn has said is that um, well, like we know that they said that they're using as inspiration Justice League uh, Unlimited yeah. and Young Justice. Yep, Those that are, both sounded that, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff to say. And he did say that this is going to... He, he specifically kind of recently called out DC for sort of the throwing, you know, shit at the wall and seeing what's stuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, we're, 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 gonna do, we're not going to do that. We're, we're going we're gonna to unify this. There, um, there are lots of articles rolling around that he's a little bit of hot water for saying all that stuff. But here's <laughs> the thing. Also, and that, that's something too. I, it's not that I don't trust Gunn. I don't trust, I don't trust DC not to fire Gunn five, five well, movies into this. It's not DC. I don't trust Warner Brothers. Oh, Warner Brothers. And yeah. Warner Brothers yeah. is the person that are just going like, okay, we're, yeah. you, you can't talk shit about us. Yeah. And here's, here's the other thing, though. Even that could be marketing. That could be like he's like make it look like you're he's a maverick he's yeah. a, he's a wild he's a wild card that uh, that knows what he's doing. I could see a Warner Brothers higher up thinking that, 
I don't see Gunn being going like I don't want to. I, don't, I just I, want to make good I movies. I think that is. Uh, <laughs> I think that's giving Warner Brothers a lot more credit for having any kind of plan than they ever have shown any indication of. So, but for the but moment, if it's Gunn's own notion, like yeah. it's like like I'm going to. I, he's like uh, he might have been done this sort of thing. It's like I think we almost have to be honest about our failures. And he's like, what if I, you know, like if I call it out a little bit publicly, and you guys can kind of grouse at me, and it'll be a little good cop, bad cop. I. I so, but here's Possibly. the thing. Before we get to the breakout, yep. they did say that they are going to they're going to release Flash. Yep. They're going to release um, uh, the Blue Beetle. They're going to release Aquaman two. All that stuff. That is going to be part. So they they're not fr- full out rebooting. Like they're well, going from the. It sounds like Flash well, just Flashpoint. Yeah. Aquaman I guess is the the one that's it's Shazam. Then Aquaman, yeah. and then uh, Flash, and Flash reboots everything. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm still skeptical, but we're it's going to be a while before we get to this. Stuff. I'm shocked we're actually getting the Flash, but everyone is going. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just surprised with all the controversy with uh, Ezra Miller and well, stuff like that. My guess, even early on, because they seem to be sticking by it, was that it was either because it is a, such a linchpin that they just it, it is too big to yeah. fail. They yeah. have to. They need it to come out and succeed just to move forward to their next thing. Now, I suspect that once said said and done, they will drop him like a hot potato. Drop them yeah, like a hot the, potato. They've they're, they're making noises like they're not gonna. We'll see. Gunn does seem to be doing the helping him kind of helping them do the sort of rehabilitation tour. Yeah. The uh, you know, trying to set it all right and get their life in order kind of thing. We'll heard, see on that. We've also heard that the movie is really good. Like, the test audiences and stuff like that. And that was so. that was James Gunn's thing, too. He yeah. said, he said what, one of the best? Something like that? He said it was one of the best superhero movies he's seen. We'll see. Um, but I also... you trusted him, Randy. Here's the other thing. I don't. I don't trust him on this. <laughs> the other thing is, they're going to release all those movies, and they had to kill Batgirl. Batgirl actually had an interest in it. Yeah, Brendan Fraser as Firefly. It looked good. Like I kept, see, I keep seeing people saying like it was unreleasable, like it, like it, that it would just was not good. You're, you're telling me it was somehow worse than Black Adam and Batman versus Superman. I don't. I mean, buy everybody it. I saw who I know who saw Black Adam said it was solid. When I know who saw Black Adam said that it was okay. <laughs> solid, okay, same thing. Yeah. I, um, I fail to see why Batgirl was so bad that that was like the one thing that was. Beyond the pale. I mean, you know, uh, I, I I don't know. I, I think there's all these sort of behind the scenes stuff, but I am not surprised that that got axed. You know, that, that something got got the axe. I guess it's too bad. I guess what I'm saying is the reason I greet Marvel's announcements with "Oh, cool! I can't wait to see all this," and DC's with "We'll see," is because of their track record. So just just on record here. They have not had a great trip with me, and so therefore I'm skeptical of all this. <clears throat> oh, interesting. I, we didn't know that until this moment. <laughs> However, I, I However, want to believe. I want to believe. I want to. I, I'm in the same. I want this to be good. I want this to work. I have a Fox Mulder DC poster on my... Uh, <laughs> I want to believe. Um, so <laughs> once they finish up with the ones they released, yep. they're going to start with a, a thing, chapter one of the ECU, which they're calling Gods and Monsters. Okay. Um, it's five movies, five TV shows... And they do not have specifics yet. They said this is this is an interesting choice of theirs. Um, that is is a 
counter to the way Marvel does things where like they set the dates and tell you when things are going to happen. Yeah, uh-huh. They're like, no, no, here's what we want to do, but we're gonna we're not going to announce anything specific until the writers and directors and cast have been, have been hired. We're not going to set a deadline that they have to hit. We're going to let the, mm-hmm. the filmmakers lead, which I understand that, but I almost wonder if, if that's one of the things that's hurting them. I think the having to have something done and having a committee like driving things may be part of why Marvel succeeds, but it's also why a lot of people think everything Marvel does looks the same. Yeah, so I, they're also speculative of, of basically giving it, making it more of a writerly focus, yeah, as opposed to uh, Marvel third act uh, action heavy craziness. Right, right. Is that is that also something of a post pandemic? Like we can't promise when everything anything is going to come. I, I out. don't know, but so we do know that Matt Reeves, the Batman Part Two, and Todd Phillips, Second Joker, are both going to going to happen. But they are outside the core DCU. They are going to be considered Elseworlds. Yes. Right. Which makes sense. Like, yeah. that, that would have been probably understood before. But I appreciate that they're sort of formally branding yeah. them as such. So if you want your Nirvana Batman, you can, yeah, you can watch Batman. your Nirvana Batman. <laughs> or if you so, want your... Uh, Vi- Viola Davis will be playing Amanda Waller still. Yep. She's getting a TV show, right? Yes. And then um, they've left the door open for Gal Gadot. Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, and Zachary Levi continue playing their respective zero heroes. Oh, really? Huh. But they did say that Henry Cavill will not be Superman, which seems mean. But I unless he's going to be somebody else, I or I mean, he, I don't think they're. I I don't think so. It seems like well, I don't know. He seemed to be uh, amiable about parting with them, okay. but unless he's going to play like Ultraman or something like that. So but. so they they brought together a writers' room, which is like the kind of like what, what Marvel did at the outset with their brain trust yeah. that had like Mark Miller and Brian Bendis, and somehow still managed to be good. Um, <laughs> their writers' room is Drew Goddard, who you know from a variety of things, including The Martian and Cabin in the Woods, uh, and Cabin in the Woods. Jeremy Slater, who worked on Moon Knight. Uh, Christina Hobson, who worked on The Flash and, weirdly, Batgirl. Okay. Um, uh, Crystal Henry, who worked on The Watchmen Show, which is great. And comics writer Tom King. So, <laughs> lock up your horses. Your Tom horses. King's coming to the DC Universe. <laughs> well, Do that's people just... even know what we're talking about when we say... I mean, they have. If they've listened to us, this podcast yes. at all, you know that Tom <laughs> King likes to kill pe- kill animals in his comics. That is the truth. It's a weird thing that we've noticed. <laughs> um... I think none of us were thrilled about this. I think none of us are super big Tom King fans. Nick was the only one left, and I think he's... Oh, I've, I've long... I've given up <laughs> that. I was... Uh, yeah. However... Oh, his one Tom King on Batman pa- would do it. But here's the thing. Tom King on paper, uh, on a comic form, we know what that is. Tom King in the Hollywood form... I, since that's I'm, Hollywood movies are such a communal thing... His name being involved in it makes me nervous. Eh. I mean, but but yes, as, as as has been pointed out, yeah, Bendis and Miller, Bendis Miller who have yeah. so many so many issues, were were part of the Marvel phase. And Marvel is like one of the most successful things. So, what are the five movies? So, the slate. One more thing: the slate is announced. Will run through twenty twenty seven. Okay. So we don't know when, but this is supposed to be five years with for four years with the movies. Sure. Basically. Okay. Um, set to open on July eleventh, twenty twenty five. This only one has a date. Uh, Superman Legacy. It's the start of the DCU, and it is going to be a about Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. It is not an origin story. Uh, it is a new young Superman. It is not Henry Cavill, and uh, that Gunn is writing it, and that uh, they are they are trying to get Gunn to direct it as well. Interesting Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. That's 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 something that like 
honestly, it was more of a Silver Age thing. Yeah. Uh, where he would be like, Great Rao, or whatever. Yeah, like I don't know. But he also said, Saffron said, he is the embodiment of truth, justice, in the American way, which is a cliche, of course. He is kindness in a world that thinks kindness is, is old-fashioned. I'm like, that that's important. That's the that's the yeah. like getting Superman like like so that's how they got Captain America right right is right. like you know what yes he may seem old fashioned to some people but he's what he still is what works yeah and if they can I think if, if the that, story doesn't laugh at that if the story shows that that it can be a source of strength then then you can pull it off yeah if the story winks even a little bit at it yeah. or like kind of uh, then that they can blow it. But Captain America is, like, the absolute best example you could get. So much so that, like, Superman, who really should almost have that, uh, you know, status more than Cap should even, uh, he got beat to the punch. And they did it so well that it's going to be hard to top that. Well, the 1978 Superman is still held up as one of the superhero movies that everybody loved. Sure. And it is possible, and it should be. If you get Superman right, that's going to make a huge difference in Superman. that's why Zack Snyder's Superman is such a problem. Right. That Superman is wrong. Right. And as a result, the DC Universe feels wrong. Right. Uh, and you can do Dark Superman, but it should, but it's got to be an alternate universe. It can't be that. Can't be your main Superman. You don't. That is not your building block. It's not your building. <laughs> they chose the wrong Tom. They should have gotten Tom Taylor to yes. come into their writers' yes. room. Uh, they did get the wrong Tom. <laughs> um, the next should have been Tom Bombadil. I the say. next thing is the Authority. This is weird. It's the uh, Warren Ellis's big cinematic ends just by the means superhero team that yeah. like knock that like destabilizes governments. That means we're gonna have Midnighter and uh, Midnighter Apollo, Apollo. Yeah, before Batman and Superman are together. Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah, like and then they kill and stuff like that. Yep. And the comic is sort of about what happens when they start sort of. Um, this was a big hit in the nineties. We should say. <coughs> um, the, uh, what happens when you start doing that, and where does that lead you to? If you overthrow a rogue nation, what's next? You know, what, whose target? Do, you know, uh, do you, you know I, whose radar are you on? I like those characters. I don't like them in the DC universe. It's a weird thing to make as your second movie in your DC universe. Well, we don't know if it's going to be the second. It is the second movie. Well, that's they the one they listed. Well, they said they said the film's being written now. It's the one that's got a writer attached to it. And it says Superman Legacy will lead directly into the Authority. Oh, okay. So this is their second movie. When they say lead directly into, does that mean to say that there's like some plot point? I might? don't know. It is. I agree with Randy. It's weird. Um, Are they going to be adapting Morrison's Superman and the, and the Authority? Authority? I don't and, like, know. Like bleed that in. I know Morrison is heavily. They're oh, going to be used yeah, in the using Morrison. That would stuff. sort of make some sense, and we know that Morrison uh, had a influence and like co-wrote the Flash, the Flash. movie. Yeah. So, so maybe so, um, but like, yeah, I would have made it in Elseworlds. I would have gone ahead and let this be one of the Elseworlds ones. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I, I don't get it. Well, it'll introduce the bleed and kind of all that craziness. And... I guess so, but like, like you know, later on they would do analogs of the Authority in a Superman comic because they, they, the Authority was so trendy and everybody was like, "Oh, DC should be more like the Authority," <laughs> and yeah. so they created what did they call them? Oh crap! The the Manchester Black and the Elite. The Elite. Elite. They created the Elite and had Superman take them on and show up this uh, British bastard who, yep. uh, and he was like, uh, Superman. The, you know, the whole point of the story was that his old fashioned values shine through, and that he could take down these guys if he if he needed to, and they were ultimately destructive. And it's a pretty good story. It's a good Superman rah rah Superman story, but. Like, yes, yeah, Superman and the Authority are almost antithetical. I don't know how they share the same space. 
man, James Gunn, they must have some confidence in it to be doing this, and I'm curious as to why they would have that confidence. I'm kind of weirdly excited to see, like, Jenny Sparks and... I mean, like some of the pretty, random characters. I like that I, the authority. It's a pretty okay. rich setting that could become better as brought to life. You know, almost you know, with an ensemble. And I all think that. I'm right. wild about bringing Warren Ellen, Warren Ellis, back to prominence. That is, that's a weird call too. It, yeah. Along with the Ezra Miller thing, it speaks to a thing of like, you guys, there's there's a social component to this, and I'm a little worried that maybe you're right. not paying attention. to I it. agree. Yeah. For 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 those who don't kind of like know the inside baseball behind, uh, of that. Uh, Warren Ellis, while a real breakout writer in the '90s, uh, you know, who's you know sort of mixed cynicism with some with a sort of a flair for action sometimes yeah. too, and smart, smartly written, in, you know, uh, imaginative comics, uh, but was was found to be like kind of a creepy old perv. Yeah, uh, maybe this side of sexual assault, but uh, definitely pretty uh, high a on the bit of the actual grooming thing manipulation, that, yeah. grooming thing, and. Alice is not the only one to have written the authority, though. I will say that. But he created the authority. It's, yeah, but I mean, Mark Miller wrote it after him. Ed Brubaker did. I mean, Morrison wrote it. The, here's the but thing: the one like, they're referencing. This is this is Ellis's war authority. Like, if nothing else, he gonna get some residuals yeah, out of this. Yeah. When you see this, you're giving some money to a guy who might have been a creepy groom, teenage girls kind of guy. And you throw that in with Ezra Miller, and you throw that in with Warner Brothers, also being the people who have J.K. Rowling. Yeah, it's kind of gross, and it bothers me a little bit. Like, yep. especially when you're doing superheroes, I want I want your Chris Evans and your guy and and your Mark Ruffalo's and the guys who actually are who seem like living they kind the of values. The life. Yeah, yeah, I want that. I agree, and it's kind of a bummer. All right, um, what else we got though? Next on the line is the Brave and the Bold, which is going to introduce the DCU version of Batman, uh, and it's going to have Robin in it, which Robin has not been in since 1997's. Uh, Batman or Robin, oh, wow. who was a 20-something. And we, and, and, we have, and we would have to use Robin in quotes even for that. We have never seen a live-action younger Robin, I don't think. Or, or like a really good one. Yeah. So this this version, however, is using Damian Wayne. Okay. Gunn described him as our favorite Robin, a little son of a bitch, an assassin, and a murderer. And I'm like, this is such a weird thing. That's, like, that's straight out of the first... Look, don't get me wrong. I really wound up enjoying Damian for what he is, for being a little bastard. But why not do Tim Drake... Well, I think they're not gonna. I think they are gonna have some of the other Bat Family, is what I've heard. They they said they want to do the Bat Family. Surely also, they will at least suggest that Damien is not the first Robin. We've also never seen. A but do good, we know that though? I, we don't know. We that don't know that. Sure. We don't know anything. It seems likely. It seems like we've also never seen Nightwing. I mean, we've seen him in the Titans as a as a foul mouth, uh, violent person. We've never seen like the Tom Taylor version of Nightwing. Right. Uh, and I and I, I would have preferred. Uh, them to either do Dick Grayson or do Tim Drake rather than starting with Damien. Right. It's it's one of these again. It's not it's not like this one thing is the thing. It's that all of this together makes me nervous. Well, I'm hopeful they're going to say this is the story with Batman dealing with a, a son, but they're going to have Dick Grayson and I mean, Tim Drake. The, the reason why Damien is smart is because it's something we haven't seen before. We have seen at least something with Robin. There have been cartoons with Tim Drake and stuff like that. And yeah, there's been a cartoon with, with Damien too, but for live action, it's going to feel pretty wild for people to see Batman and his young assassin's son. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that will be a definitely a new thing to bring to the page, you know, to to, to superheroes at the in the movies. I'm also I'm also hopeful for a Batman who is not Ben Affleck was fine as Batman, you know, but we haven't seen like superhero Batman alongside the just like right. except in animation. Right. And Brave and the Bold as a, as just as a title speaks to kind of DC's yeah. Silver Age style and and energy. So 
Next on the list is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, based on Tom King comic. A very different type of Supergirl. Gun called her hardcore. <laughs> like everything that everything they're saying terrifies. <laughs> I me. believe he said she's effed up. At some point, I saw that quote. He wow. did. Any of us read Supergirl, uh, Woman of Tomorrow? I read the first issue. I, I read the first issue. I didn't even read that. So. I am going to. I'm going to try and like in the next week or two read this and see uh, what it is that made them decide that it would be the best basis oh, yeah. for it. You're probably not because it's out of print. Uh, I've got ways, Randy. I can borrow it. I can read is it. Is this like all Tom Digitally, I could. Is this all like, like all Tom King things, like psychologically damaged uh, superhero? Well, I, yes. I remember reading a thing that was like something about like maybe the. It shows what? The transit time? She was raised on a rock chip off of Krypton and watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life. Uh, so a rock chip is that supposed yes. to be like supposed to be like the what the bottled the city of Candor? Candor, yes. yes. And uh, but they all start dying. Yeah, I guess not really into so, that. So where is the happy? Where is um, the gung ho? Well, I how mean, about how about Swamp Thing? <laughs> Swamp right. Thing so, uh, with the, the one with Heather Locklear. This is going to investigate the dark origins of Swamp Thing, the prism of horror. They're talking to James Mangold about it, and <laughs> apparently it's going to be um, a horrific film. But Swamp Thing will interact with the rest of the DCU. Because James Mangold makes happy films. I, I don't think they're bad, so, but he makes... Who, who's, what's, what, he did Logan, films? and he did... Uh... Those, those are the five movies, y'all. Those are the five movies, and that makes me very nervous. Well, you don't want to see Swamp Thing and The Authority save Supergirl from her effed up sad life? And see, that's the thing. All of this on paper sounds terrible, but I have a little faith in guns still, but... This was not the slate I wanted them to unveil. This is it's right. also not the slate that I feel like would be the one you'd launch with. Yeah. Because this it feels, feels like a experimental Phase 3 DCU, not Phase 1 ground. I mean, I agree with the Superman and the, the Brave and the Bolt. Those, Superman, those, those Superman should. and Brave and the Bolt, sure. Yeah. Although the, uh, maybe not Damien. Uh, I, I, I could see a way to work that in and build out the Bat I, family I in guess. such a way. Remember, a lot of people hate Damien. I know. A lot of people hate Damien. And I'm not one of them, but I understand why they do. Yeah, I mean, he, he is not everyone's favorite person. Well, it's tough to see somebody smart off to Batman. Yeah. You know, generally, it's not what we go to Batman for. Yeah. Um, unless they're Alfred. Unless they're Alfred. But Alfred I, has to always keep Batman in check. But I'm tired of this DC being equated with dark and gloomy yep. and uh, uh, emo-ness. Yeah. And, and these films do not feel like they're going yeah. out of their way to Are they going to somehow Surprise us and like be like the authority actually isn't as dark as you thought. Swamp Thing is going to have some grim elements, but it's also going to be hopeful. See, here's here's I, where my worry comes. This has been DC's always been dark and gritty in everything. Even like Young Justice, which I really liked, got it, dark and gritty by the end. And I'm wondering if there's someone higher up at Warner Brothers who that is like their directive. You know, you got you've got Kevin Feige at Marvel, yeah. who like his directive is to like he loves those comics. And you can tell, yeah. Someone at DC really loves Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and things. All comics should be all comics. You know what's funny like is everybody. I, th I think people know this that Kevin Feige shows like his people the original Superman movie. Yeah, he like that's that's their watchword is a DC movie, the yeah. first DC movie. Yeah. DC doesn't like apparently their yeah. first DC movie. Yeah. Um, Something should be a horror, by the way. Oh no, no that's fine. Yeah, that's as, as a standalone thing. It's fine. It's just as one of the five launching points. I yeah, don't get it. The I think one of the the, the part that makes sense is. Doing something that you haven't seen in superheroes movies before. Yes. I even was thinking like Flashpoint or the Flash movie, if it's Flashpoint or whatever it is. 
maybe, you know, the uh, even though we've seen speedsters, we haven't seen a sort of persistent, full-on speedster movie, and maybe they just do some wild stuff with the special effects, and it's just like, it's the coolest thing ever, and, you know, that's why they're like, we gotta do this one. Because, you know, yeah, Marvel did their little Quicksilver cameos and, sh- and small scenes, but this is gonna blow people away. Yeah. Um, but, um... It, it is a weird call. It's, it does seem like something you do as, as like a later phase. The, the, the main th- reason I think that they're probably doing it is because these are things that just haven't been shown in other well, superhero well, movies. Well, the TV shows can't be any weirder, right? All right, yeah. let's hit it. So about that, television shows. <laughs> I'm actually excited about the TV shows in part because Gunn did Peacemaker. Yeah. Weird as that show is and dark as that show is, I loved that show. And if yeah. everything's going to be like that, I'd be okay with it. And... It looks like everything's going to be like that. So, first up is an animated series, Guns Written Every Episode. It's on HBO Max called Creature Commandos. This is the Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Um, uh, and those, those are the Morrison guys, by the way. Morrison, yeah. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Um, and then G.I. Robot? G.I. Robot. And then not Atomic Skull, but Dr. Phosphorus. Okay, Dr. Phosphorus, uh, yeah. Um, and Weasel from Suicide Squad. Sure. And Rick Flagg's father, Rick Flagg Sr. <laughs> okay. Very weird... Monster Squad fighting in World War II. And this is animated. It's animated. Okay, sure. This, this will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. They put Peacemaker Season 2 on hold, which I'm not thrilled about. Um, but um, the characters are going to show up alongside... Uh, are you telling me they're not going to do more Eagly? Uh, they probably they may not be Eagly. <sighs> but they're going to do Waller, Amanda Waller, uh, executive produced by Jeremy Carver, who created Doom Patrol... Uh, on HBO Max, and uh, the spotlight on Amanda Waller with Viola Davis returning. Yes, yep. presumably taking a sort of a deeper dive into her because, like, she was somewhat one note well, in the movie. Her daughter uh, Adebayo is the is one of the characters from Peacemaker. Yeah. Peacemaker. Okay, and so I think that's going to be because the spoilers for Peacemaker season one. Uh, it ends with Adebayo basically outing the Suicide Squad and Waller to the world. Yeah. So it's going to be that. It'll be the fallout from that. Which, okay. I mean, and a, l- a look at what the what the sort of more sinister Waller does running the dark, the Black Ops version of the DCU. So this is basically a Suicide Squad, the TV show. Yeah. Which and I'm okay with I'm that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of hopeful for that. The next one up is Lanterns, which is described is... as a huge HBO quality event that is very much in the vein of True Detective. Yeah, that was a weird one, and I was trying to think, do they mean tonally? Do they mean that there's a mystery of season? Do they mean... So, it is investigating a mystery, playing a really big role leading into the main story we're telling across our film and television. So it's something that's going to tie into Superman and Batman and the authority. To I gods what, and monsters. I don't know what I'm that is. it now Eclipso. That'd be cool. <laughs> um, but this is Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. If I'm, I'd, I'd rather have Eclipso the dark side again, to be honest. Yeah, they, they should yeah. avoid uh, him but and, and Starro. The, the, thing that, the thing I do like about this, it is Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart as... A Green Lantern pair of partners investigating mystery, but it's all on it's terrestrial based. It's all on Earth. Yeah, it seems a little weird. Although I get why they would do it for budget reasons. I would have appreciated a Guy Gardner and John Stewart show. I think they'll show. I think they're going to show. But I also yeah. think that like you, it's like launching with them is. It's I like know you want with Damien. I know you want Hal as your. Do you? Ma- I mean, do I, people care about Hal. Well, here's the thing. It's like if you're going to do them, Johns? if you're going to do them as space cops kind of thing. Hal is potentially a good fit for that. Keep in mind, he's probably not even going to be that close to like the Hal in the comics. They're going to yeah. 
he's probably going to get something of a rethink anyway. Yeah. Um, Which how did but, you use a rethink? But you said this is this is Earth based. It says terrestrial based, so yeah. maybe maybe it'll all be on planets, but it won't all be on Earth. Okay. Like if they do like if they do like Guardians, where they go to different planets, I mean, and it's got that, that but like, vibe. But that'd be that'd be pricey as hell. I, I Not mean, really. No, you can do sets that are there. I've been shocked with the amount of, uh, of set stuff they've done on Last of Us. I yeah. think it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I mean, it could be done. Overall, the one that I am most interested in, uh, the, like of every, the True Detective everything. vibe I'm is weird. True Detective is weird because True Detective is so dour and and uh, you know what I noticed they 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 compared one to True Detective and they compared another to Game of Thrones and I'm like they're mentioning HBO HBO properties successes. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and but yeah. True Detective is a kind of like very character driven yeah. from what I remember. Yeah. I oh, watch. I love True Detective. It's just not how I want Green Lantern to be. Yeah, it's an yeah. odd one for Green Lantern. But we'll see. Um, Paradise Lost, that's their Game of Thrones-ish uh, story. Set on Themyscira before the birth of Diana, it's all about the political intrigue behind a society of women. And I'm like, that's an interesting story, but is it... So this like, is all, like, Hippolyta and... I like, honestly, I kind of like my Amazons to be a little utopian. Yeah. I, like, I, I kind of, like, want, like, Paradise Island to be a little slice of utopia... Precisely because it's sort of shielded from the rest of the also, world. Also, it's you right don't there want in the, the title. You don't want the scheming of different power players in that society, Dave? It's right there in the title. It's Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> it's Paradise uh, Lost, Nick. It's Paradise in quotes. Um, but, like, look, there there have often been multiple factions of the Amazons. And I think currently in the DC lore, they're mainly going with three three factions. The, uh, like, sort of the Middle Eastern, the South American, and the Greek. Yeah, Greco-type yeah. one. Um, and so I imagine they'll be doing that and using it to eventually inform a Wonder Woman thing. Now, it could be that this, yeah, this builds out the structure of it. It's like, oh, you know, back in the day, uh, in George Perez's run, Paradise Island, the dark sort of secret of it was that it was built on, like, the gateway to Pandora's box. Yeah. So it was, like, all this evil in there. Like, the Amazons had to be sort of the stewards of it and the gatekeepers and the prisoner to keep it, the, the darkness of prison there. Like, you could work in lots of Wonder Woman lore and set up a Wonder Woman movie through this. I mean, they did elements of that in the Batman vs. Superman, or er, in the Justice League stuff, because they were, like, the gatekeepers of one of the mother boxes and stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, but, so, but I mean, yeah, I, you know, of course, I'm, we're, we're only speculating on what they want to get out of this. Yeah, I know. Maybe they didn't want it to be exactly like Game of Thrones, but with the... <sighs> but, and then the last yeah, thing... Not that, not... The last thing is Booster Gold, which is a... Say they say can do outright comedy. It's basically a loser from the future who uses basic technology to come back and pretend to be a superhero. Gunn says imposter syndrome as a superhero, and I'm like, I guess I, I like Booster Gold, um, but they better do skeets. Yeah, I think I, they will. I think they would. Um, I would have been more into it if it was Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. So here's here's the thing, and I, I understand. I understand that we're not supposed to compare Marvel and DC. I understand. I understand it's not fair, but. Marvel's announcement through 2026, I think, yeah, um, includes the Marvels, New Daredevil, Thunderbolts, Fantastic Four, two more Avengers movies, uh, Blade, um, Echo, there's, there's Secret Invasion, all the stuff I'm really excited about. Well, this is everything coming through DC to 2027. There's not a lot here that I'm excited it's about. It's hard to comparison because we've had five year, five or six years of ramp up for the, the MCU. Sure, but DC's had those years too. They just fucked it up. 
Right, and these are new people coming in trying to, right. to do a but new that's the thing. Well. If, the, if we were looking at Phase 1 of the DCU, and I was like, oh, there's a Green Lantern movie, there's a Flash movie, there's a Green Arrow movie. Like, if there was something in here that, like, felt like border, like building blocks. Yeah. This feels like Phase 3 of the DCU when they haven't done Phases 1 and 2 again. <sighs> we'll have to see if... There's, a lot of this is going to come down to can Gun. Can he be a ringleader on this level? Yeah, right. Can this uh, stuff deliver? Basically, can the can it be better than the premises sound? Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah. not a great place for them to be. Yeah, I, I before the day a day or two before this announcement, Randy, uh, you remember I was on like a page uh, for the artist Darwin Cook, like mm-hmm. a Facebook page yeah. for it, and that somebody had just used a piece of his art. Be, knowing the DC announcements were coming, yeah. and they're like, get ready to say goodbye to the darkness of Zack Snyder and hello to a new era. And they just, I think, must have just been like, ah, New Frontier, his uh, his sort of uh, hopeful, but but also dark, by yeah, the way, yeah. uh, story uh, would be a good watchword for it. But it does not look like that. That it seemed to be like just that. what people, that is what people thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, it is, it is kind of weird. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I what I would like is something that would get me excited about the DC stuff again. You know what would have been great? Theoretically, it's, a if Legion they, movie would have been great. I'd I'd love to see a Legion movie <laughs> if they open. By the way, if the Superman movie is good, yeah, that will change a lot of perspectives. Yes, um, but yes. they've they've got to have that. Yeah, they've got to nail if that. If they happen to get off on the wrong foot on that, well, that's that's two years from now. Yeah. So like we're we're still having to wait two years. Well, I mean, to see there's there's start. stuff that's coming out in the meantime that I'm going to be wanting to watch. I want to watch Aquaman two. I want to watch Shazam two. All that stuff. I might see Blue Beetle, um, but I believe DC for me is is still in that. Well, I guess it's nice that other people are enjoying it for two more years. But will you feel it's nice for them, Randy? <laughs> no, I'm mad at people for enjoying it. There we go. There we go. That's 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 what I was because if, if if those movies would tank harder, they would have done this earlier. So yeah, Randy wants the revolution. I want the revolution. I do. I'm so tired of being what it is. I love these characters, and I want them to be better. I want. I want them to put Tom Taylor on every book of DC. I want to clone him and ever write everything. Like, I understand. I, Your love I, leads to hate. Yes, it does. I want I want things to be better for me. I don't care what it is for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I I'm I'm still hopeful. I still I like James Gunn. I like most of what James Gunn has done, even if I don't love actually I guess I, I like I like most of what he's done at Marvel. Like, I was trying to think of what like I didn't like his uh Brightburn that his brother did or whatever. That's not him though. Yeah, that was his brother. Um What's the other thing? He's super that I, that he did. I wasn't crazy about Slither. Slither is okay. I like Slither. It's all right. I, yeah, I'm actually not a particularly that big a James Gunn fan. I like the Guardians movies, but I don't love them. Yeah, uh, I I liked Suicide Squad as probably as much as the Guardians we movies. Both loved the holiday special. We both uh, loved like the holiday special, special a lot. And Peacemaker was great. Yeah, Peacemaker was legitimately great. But you know, my concern was kind of the the Taika Waititi thing, which was that he's yeah. so much himself. Yeah. You know, he always has a dark sense of humor. Yep. His characters are always these kind of broken, flawed people, and I'm like, oh well, how does he handle Superman? Yeah, he doesn't seem like the guy for it. I, but he doesn't seem like a guy who I would think just is impossible to get. It. He seem, yeah. he might. I yeah. like Taika. I think he's really funny. Gunn is a better director. I agree, but I think I think Dave's point, and I think I would worry about too, is like. Can Gunn do Superman without the wink and the nod? And can he right. do it in a way that is still 
that is sincere, but not so sincere as to bore everyone. Like it's that is a really tough line to walk. There are elements of the Guardians film that have that sincerity. Sure, but it's always got that wink and nod. And I think if you do even a little bit of that with Superman, you may undercut your premise. Right, it's a tough thing to do. If you can slice out that Yondu, uh, Mary Poppins kind of. But especially, I mean, especially I mean, when we've been seeing what, Dark Superman for so long, I think that what they need is what the Cap first movie. was. That's exactly what they need. Yes. Uh, so, so like that that director, what's his name? Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston. That would have been a probably more had, obvious. But they're outright saying it's not an origin story, so it's going to be. It doesn't have to be an origin story, though. But it's got to be the. This is the presentation of our Superman to the world. Yeah. Like, we don't need to see Krypton being destroyed. We he don't might need to see not even that. direct it. I don't know. He's writing it. They're though. trying. Yeah, he's writing it. We'll see. I don't know. Um, right. It's... I want it to be I want to be more excited than I am. Okay. I am wary. But, uh... Well, at this point, we there's, have to have some there's skepticism. There's potential stuff in there. There's yeah. this. I even could see liking the Authority movie. I would love to be eating my words three years from now about how good the Authority is. I do remember, Randy, when I uh, first met you, you were like, "You got to read this book, The Authority." Really? Yeah, oh. that was one of your big things. You were, you were, you that in planetary. Yeah, I do. I I still like both those books. I was talking with a friend the other day about that. How much I like both those books, even though I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, let's take a break, and then we're going to talk about uh, one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen in my life, and then some TV. <laughs> Let us begin this segment by talking about Skinnamarink. <laughs> yes, an in- indie sort of horror movie that's been going around based on a series of like YouTube shorts that yep. were that were kind of I yep. think well clearly caught attention and got funded as a movie. Yep. Um, we knew going into this, this movie was going to be weird and experimental. Yes, I, it was actually perhaps weirder and more experimental than I thought it was going to be. So I went into this in the same way that I went into um, everything uh, everywhere all at once. No, because okay. I knew a little bit about that. There was another horror movie that I went into that I, I didn't know. Oh, Barbarian. Barbarian. So when, like, my last experience with horror, I went in with Barbarian. I was like, I don't know anything about this. I know it's called Barbarian. I know several people like it. And that's all I knew. And I had a great time. I love yep. Barbarian. I did not have the same experience with Skin of a Ring. So this, what I knew is this is a weird... I knew it was a weird experimental horror film. And I knew that our former staffer, Shereen, wanted to see it. And yep. so she, uh, she wrangled me and Dave to go see it. Yep. And, I just uh, want to read the synopsis real quick. Go ahead. It's, a, it's a good. This I, is a good. It's not. I'm help. setting that the synopsis is more narratively uh, precise than, than the, the movie film. is, yes. I, I, yeah. and that's what I understand. Hit me. Hit me. It says two children wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing, and all the windows and doors in their home have vanished. Yes, except that you don't know any of that. None of that is made clear. Oh, okay. So it's all. I mean, imagine so, kind of starting in the middle. Like they talk to the father at some point. They do at some point. Um, there's a sense of sort of nonlinearity of time. So it's it's all very. Uh, there's a filter on it, so it all looks like uh, staticky. Yeah, I believe time. they. I believe they call this analog horror, even though this it is digital. Uh, it's a digital like. Uh, um, what do you call it? digital it, effect? Like a filter. As you watch it, you're sort of trying to puzzle out what's going on because it's, it's almost like sh- it's almost like still images a lot of the time. They show some Legos, 
they, they use should've... old cartoons. Right. So you do see, and they, here's the thing: you were probably used to uh, normal movies in which characters walk around, speak, yeah. are in the center of the camera. Yeah. All right. Imagine if there was a movie in which the characters were never in the center of the camera. No. You might occasionally see an arm or a leg, yeah. or even a little bit of a head at times, and you might hear them talk occasionally. Yeah. But like, just it is a little kid. It is, it is is well two kids I guess technically. Well, you didn't. I didn't know there were two kids until halfway through the movie. Right. It is in a darkened house, said to be in the nineties, said to be nineteen ninety five, and the, the the aesthetic that I would describe it as is um, it, it reminded me of when I was a kid and I would go spend the night at a friend's, mm-hmm. but it was like a friend like at a friend's who like whose house I didn't really know well, yeah. and I'd get up have to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Yeah. It'd be dark in the house, maybe like one night light on somewhere, yeah. and I'd be feeling my way along the walls trying to find the bathroom and figure out where it was. That's what Skinnamarink feels like. Well, it's very effective at putting you in the head of like you're the perspective of like a little four year old kid who doesn't have a lot of context for what's going on, but he just knows the world. Things are scary. Right. Things aren't right, and you can't figure out what's going on. He's watching cartoons to try and pass the time, but in the, again, it's like that's that makes it sound like there was some moment where he like that's made clear. It's like you see maybe a tape get put in at some point, and you see these cartoons. Only the camera is so close up on them that it's all grainy, and you're just seeing like yeah. one eighth of the screen. Are you seeing this all from the one point of view? No, the camera is often like immobile and it was yeah. just like sometimes even to the point of like looking at something and you don't even know what you're looking at yeah like i think there's like one watching point where the corner the, the corner of a, of a ceiling basically right or like it's the middle in a hallway and you're like there's something light there and i can't tell what it is it's a weird shape and i'm like oh i okay i realize that now i'm looking at a hallway those are weird shadows and that is a nightlight. You know how with bootleg movies, occasionally, yeah. like the security guy will come, and the guy's got to put his put his camera yeah. down, and you just can hear the dialogue. Or somebody getting that's up a to lot it. of this movie. Yes. <laughs> um, so it does look like it's filmed on old film stock. Um, there, there's a weird audio changes and stuff like mm-hmm. that where it'll suddenly like it's almost like you know um you know if you just turn up the volume really loud but something but you, nobody's talking and you just hear that hum mm-hmm. and you know if somebody speaks it's going to be loud as hell that kind of thing sort of occurs occasionally mm-hmm. um and it's slowly a dreamlike sort of narrative cu- uh, unfolds uh, involving the parents a call to 911 that there's something going on mm-hmm. um uh, and you will see like like windows like they'll be looking at a window and then it's just not there and yeah. there's a weird sound yeah and um the whole thing is dreamlike it does have things that, like suspenseful scenes yeah yeah there is one wherein the camera does seem to represent the view of the kid which is not always the case mm-hmm. but where he's looking at his like it's like he's gone in to wake up dad and you have a pretty good sense this feels as if you literally have done it you're waking yeah. him up and he's like dad he's like he's trying to like tell him something i forget what it even was yeah but the dad says he's like did you know that there's like a surprise for you under the bed no he just tells him to look under the bed I and mean, his the dad and the mom both seem out of like they've seem like they've been hypnotized or something right or hmm. just yeah they're they're just staring they're always consider this I don't think you ever see one face in the whole movie no. you, you see the back of the head sometimes uh, so the kid with the camera goes and looks under the bed and it is so grainy you can make out sort of like some lights and dark shapes but you can't really see anything and you're like is something going to move is something in a weird but that would be too traditional they've 
Do you remember the uh, early uh, one of the early Simpsons horror things where uh, Bart is reading, or Lisa's reading The Raven to Bart? Yeah. And she's reading it, and it gets to the point where he opens the door and nobody's there. Yeah. And Bart says to her, do you know what would be scarier than nothing, Lisa? Anything. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that a lot during this movie. Right. It's, um... Uh, in some of the social media film groups I'm in, I have seen uh, people who really like this movie. Randy, there's like theories and yeah. uh, lots of people who've, who've tried to piece it together and all that and, and come up with narratives. And I don't have the wherewithal to do that. I don't even quite want to read them. But it's been interesting. And I do have like, I know some people who found the movie like one of the few things that really got under their skin. Like they found it disturbing. Mm-hmm. And like, if if you if you have already heard of it when when we're talking about this, then you might be the kind of person who will enjoy this movie. Uh, most people are going to find it too experimental. I found it too experimental. Um, I thought I thought they did an excellent job of getting me into the hit into the kids. Like I am from the point of view of a child, and I'm scared. Like they did a good job of that. Yeah. And then they had an hour and a half of nothing else. Like you had time. You you had done your job. You right. Put me in this headspace. Tell me a goddamn story, right? And it is not a it is not a thing about telling a story, which is crazy yeah. because that seems like the most basic thing for a film. Yeah. Instead, if, it is a thing about like it's it's a, sort a, of like producing uh, narrative moments that you can link together with your own imagination. If is you it about remember. creating a vibe, yes, yes. okay, hundred percent, and doing nothing with it. Remember the Butthole Surfers lead singer, yes, Gabby Hayes. Um, mm. He was obsessed with you with the brown noise, the yeah. musical note that could cause someone to shit themselves. <laughs> Skinner Marink is a film made by someone obsessed with the brown noise. <laughs> it's like, yes, what you've done here is an interesting technique, but you didn't do what you're supposed to do with it. Can I suggest obsessed with the brown noise as the title for the episode? <laughs> fair, fair. fair. I'll put, put that, that, I'll put that, yes, put that out yes. there. Um, I kind of want to watch this now, but I kind of don't. You don't. Uh, but here's the other thing, Nick. No, I, I think that you're in the right headspace, Nick. You kind of want to and kind of don't. You watch 15 minutes and see what you think. I still agree with whoever it was we were talking about. Maybe it was in your film group or somebody who said, like, you're not... Oh, one of our friends who said, you're not going to watch this at home. You're going to get 15 minutes into it and you're going to turn it off. You have to be... One of the effective things about it is we were in a theater. Everybody was quiet. I was afraid to crunch the chicken wings I had at the Alamo because right. it was so... The so, noises were so... So a, a sort of captive audience. You need the, to be a captive audience to really get it, I think. Yeah. Right. And there are some jarring moments, oftentimes with sort of like... Uh, sort of jarring audio accompaniment mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but, um, yeah, truly strange. If you try to watch this at home, you're going to be on your phone in five or ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will actually be curious. I think uh, anybody who has seen it and enjoyed it, uh, just send us a little quick thing about uh, what you what you dug about it uh, in an email to Rogue's Gallery TX. It's like 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I It may sound like it. I didn't hate it, but it was one of these things I'm like, it felt like missed potential. I'm like... They, I, I was going in very open-minded, and at the very beginning, I was like, this is interesting, I'm curious where this is going to go, but then it went nowhere, and it went nowhere for like two and a half hours, or it felt it like It couldn't help time. but feel like what I believe it began as, which is like, sort of film school, like, uh, like you know, a pretentious uh, yes. 20-year-old student who... Uh, like puts this together and you're like, oh, you've got some interesting visual aesthetics going on. Um, what's the story? And he's like, 
well, I thought it'd be kind of spooky to just kind of like yeah. not have a story. Yeah, the brown noise um, is great. Tell me, sing me a song. <laughs> the audience, uh, basically, synopsis of this uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, they do the critics in the audience. So it's for some, it might be scary, but for a lot of viewers, Skin and Marink is just frighteningly dull. Yeah, <laughs> I was. It, it wasn't. It wasn't dull. I wasn't bored. There's but I a was certain, ready to be done with it. There's a lot of repetition <laughs> of imagery. Yeah. And like I don't know how often I saw that hallway light, yeah. the Legos, yeah. the and stuff, the a glimpse of like a corner, a small glimpse of weird old time twenties or thirties cartoons. Yeah. Um. But um. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nick, let's talk about something very different. Okay. Let's talk about Quantum Leap, uh, which is on Peacock. Yeah. I want to watch this uh, show, even though NBC, I didn't. If you have a, if you have a. Uh, yeah, antenna or whatever. Even though I didn't watch the original, when y'all have talked about it, it sounds fun. So I've never seen more than a few minutes of the original. I never watched the first really, episode. Yeah. I, it was always on like repeats in the afternoon, so I, uh, during the summer, so I watched it. Uh, this is very tied into the original. Yeah, but it is is its own thing. Yeah, because it's basically uh, doing on the backbone of the Quantum Leap project. So the Quantum Leap project did exist in the eighties. Yes. Uh, and it was an experimental time travel project, and they lost their their. Subject. Are you saying it really existed, or this is within the canon of <laughs> within the within the canon of the story? No, no, it existed. <laughs> no, but they, so they're taking the original show as as like as backstory. Canon, yes. yes, that's so cool. The, the new Quantum Leap is run by a guy played by Ernie Hudson named Magic. Yep. Who uh, you will find out, and if you if you've watched Quantum Leap, yep. you may have already known. Yes, I, I did. knew somebody mentioned it. He basically was one of the guys who was inhabited by, by Sam, Sam oh. in Vietnam. Like they saved, he saved he his whole squadron. Yeah, him and his whole squadron. That's cool. It was. It was and a really so, neat little thing. So he is the he's the military guy running. I think he's like a colonel or something now, right? He's pretty, I believe so. He's, he's higher. High he's pretty. He's high up. Um, they've got his security officer, who I really love. She's great. Yeah. There's a uh, non-binary scientist who runs Ziggy, which is the big supercomputer that, all, that predicts the time the timeline. The act, actor is uh, the woman who, or the uh, the person who plays uh, Desire from Desire Sandman. and Sandman. Ziggy was a thing in the original, wasn't Ziggy it? Ziggy was, was the computer. computer. Yeah. yeah. How did how did they show that in the original? Like a little uh, box, a little. Al had, Al had a little, box, had a little yeah. controller that little. Would looked like very futuristic, but lots of lights and stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. The, I'm so familiar Z- with the eighties. So Ziggy is still the, the that's the name of the computer. That's like just this massive. Al- it, it uses all this power to sort of predict what's uh, what. Uh, Predict what's gone wrong and then what timelines they can fix it. Yeah, what they need to do or who they need to save that yeah, week, yeah. essentially. What, um, what determines, I mean, maybe this is like beyond what the show cares about, but like what determines what's wrong and what needs fixing? Ziggy does. Yeah, Ziggy ah, does. Ah, okay. Mysterious AI rules. Okay, sure. That's, um, that's totally fine because I think that's not why you're not here for that. You're here to watch it happen. But the lead, the guy named Ben, is a, is an Asian American scientist. He is one of the scientists who's working on the project. Yeah, he's like the main one, mm-hmm. and his uh, fiance mm-hmm. uh, was supposed to be the one who jumps. His fiance is a, is a woman who's a mili- she's military. Trained, she's military, right? and she was supposed to be the leaper. But instead, Ben jumps one day mm-hmm. without telling anyone why, and. Now he, when he jumps, he does not have full memory of who he was and why he did it. Oh, because so, that was a thing. Because it was that, memory loss, his memory a... loss. So he's he's back in the past, and uh, his his uh, fiance can come to him as the hologram, like like Al used to, yep. yeah, and talk him through things. So she goes in the simulation room and has all the information from the future and can tell him what Ziggy's telling her and that kind of thing. But he but doesn't remember. Early on, he doesn't remember that they're he doesn't remember their fiance oh, oh. at all. That sounds almost complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is, but I mean, he kind of has to understand because, I mean, they do the whole conceit of 
the people can see him as Ben, but the people in the, the timeline, in the timeline see, him see him as the other person, as the person yeah. who's right. taking the body. Out. Sure, sure. And so every every episode there is a. He has to fix something, so it's very much a, a episode of the week. Well, in the first but, episode, it's a bank robbery. It's a bank robbery, which yeah. I thought was a great kind of way to sort of uh, yeah. put in the action and kind of get you in the. But the there's a lot more in the, in the first show. It was all the episode of the week. Yeah, right. This is very much a there's a big overarching mystery because it is a modern day show. Yep. And the big overarching mystery is is why did Ben leap? And also, uh, Al's granddaughter? No, daughter. Daughter. Yeah. Janice. Who was supposed to be part of this new uh, She was supposed to be part program. of it. She is not. She, I think Magic said... Her mom uh, asked her, Magic to not uh, right. include and so she's her. A, she's a scientist, and she is the one who helped Ben leap, and she won't tell them why. They actually finally tracked her down. She had been sort of influencing the project. I thought that was a really cool uh, it, continuation. It is. It is. And... She and she and Ben have him on some kind of course through time. They can't figure out exactly why, but now they're saying it's to save, it's to save Madison, his, his Addison, fiance, yeah. Addison. Yeah, um, it's almost like they're doing like a moon slingshot because yeah. he's building up building momentum, momentum through time, which I thought was really a, a fun so idea. So they've got this mystery of like, why did he leap without telling her? Why did it have to be him? Uh, why? Where is he going? And it's something to do with saving Addison. It's pretty good. I suspect still that it's because they want to save Sam. Like, they've got to do the thing where they bring Sam back. Because they talk about having lost Sam in the time stream. Yeah, that he's that he never returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see that because that would that ending of Quantum Leap mm-hmm. is just hardcore beyond mm-hmm. hardcore. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's got to be part of it. But there's a lot of complications. Like, they, they brought Janice into the project and she is... Uh, you know, anarchist wants nothing to do with them, but she is helping them out in some places. And there's like they're slowly uh, breaking down the ice between her and the others, and it's yeah. interesting. the The characters are all really good. The mystery of like what's going on is really good, and Ben's slowly regaining his memory and starting to realize what's going on. I also just like the 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 mission of the week too. The they're of the week all, are all really good. Yeah, I thought like the uh, Halloween uh, him as a priest doing an exorcism. Yeah, was was a really cool idea. Yep. The boxing one, I thought, uh, dealt with some great themes. The latest one was a time loop. Although it wasn't, there was a great twist on that. They mentioned Groundhog Day. Yep, they did. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun time travel-y stuff in this. Yeah. Uh, I I had heard good things. You talked about really enjoying it. I I binged it, and I I really got addicted to it. I thought it was really, really good. When I I'm, this week is the week that I'll finish up my big catch up on Deep Space Nine that I've been at for a few years, but I'm wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that that sounds like the kind of fun. Somewhat, I feel like it's somewhat upbeat, right? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Not like I mean, there are some like somewhat darker mysteries oh, sure. or whatever. Yeah. In but it, I'd, but I'd put it in the popcorn entertainment category. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like kind of what I'm in the mood for, and I think I'm I'm gonna but check it out next week. He doesn't fail his missions. At least we have. I think Sam at some point does fail some during the, during this run, right? Well, no, because if you fail, you don't move on. Oh, okay. You have to sort of complete the mission to leap into somebody else. Okay. So, like, yeah, you're not going to get a thing where he's like, oh, I was supposed to save this guy, but I failed, now he's dead. Like, he's right. always going to find the way. Yeah, it's yeah. a problem-solving show. Yeah. yeah. Sounds cool. It's good. Um, I watched on Hulu. This is they, they say it's a Hulu original, but it's obviously a British show that they brought over. Mm-hmm. It's called Extraordinary, and it is about a world in which everybody has a superpower. Okay. Um, now, superpowers. Some some people can fly. That seems like the basic bitch superpower. A lot of people fly around London. Uh-huh. Um, but like the uh, the lead, her her roommate has the ability to summon the dead. 
like in her she can she can basically have herself inhabited by the dead. Okay. Which she uses to work in a law office. <laughs> and like uh, the first time we see her, she is uh, she's a, an older man who is telling the the ex wife, "No, I actually did mean to give all my money to my younger mistress." <laughs> and uh, they at some point, one of the, one of the storylines has her inhabited by a country musician who died. And the record company wants to pay her to sing one last bits of songs. Uh, only she finds out that he was a racist, misogynist, terrible person. Um, and so there, her other roommate, uh, the, the boyfriend of that guy, of that girl, is um, he has the power to turn back time like ten seconds. And he wants to be a vigilante because there aren't superheroes in this world. Yeah. But he wants to use, he wants to become like a super vigilante and he's making a group and it's very mystery men. He gets people with the weirdest. There's a guy who can 3D print out of his ass. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's a variety of weird, dumb. There's also a guy with super speed. He's got the only real power. But like all the powers they've got, there's a girl who can, who's a magnet girl who can just become magnetic sometimes. <laughs> this uh, definitely feels like mystery men. Yeah, it's got some Mystery Men vibes to it. It's got some uh, Misfits. I don't know if you're some Misfits. Oh, yeah. No, I did. Um, so basically, this opens with this girl, the, our lead, goes to an interview. She's 25 years old. And the, the she starts basically telling complete truths because the interviewer has the power to make people tell the truth. Oh. And if she reveals, <laughs> she has not gotten her superpower yet. And that's okay. very odd. Everyone usually has a superpower. She does not have a superpower. Um, and so she's spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to get her superpowers. She works at a costume shop, costume rental shop. Okay. Um, and it is sort of like a 20-something sex comedy in a way, hmm. but it's also they've got the superpower. The other character, whose name is Jizzlord, sure. is a cat, except he's not a cat. So there's a stray cat who comes in their apartment, and they're, they're dumb 20-somethings, and they name him Jizzlord. Uh-huh. And then at the end, he transforms into a man. He does not remember... A naked man. Yeah, he does not sure. remember who he was. He, he knows that he's been a cat for a while. They figure out it's been like three years. And he is slowly having to learn to be human again. But he's this very sweet guy who occasionally turns into a cat. Uh-huh. Um, I think you akin this to, like, space. I, I call it akin to space. It is very much like... Uh, losers in their 20s right. but the superpower thing is in there uh, it's got a killer soundtrack great music uh, really fun I, so I guess uh, in other parts of the world this is put on Disney Plus parts of the world that Disney Plus does not have just PG stuff right because this is dirty and funny <laughs> and, and it was it, it was a lot of fun I, okay. it's like there's eight episodes it's already got a season two I would recommend people watch this it was it was super funny and clever and there were several laugh out loud things for me I, I cracked up at a bunch of I them I have to check it out what's the name of it extraordinary okay or extraordinary depending on how you pronounce it I guess if you're British they say extraordinary 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 <laughs> um Next on the list of TV, it's a really good time for TV. Yeah, uh, Poker Face. This is Ryan Johnson's show with uh, Natasha Leone. Yep, it is basically his riff on Columbo. Yeah, um, about a woman who is like a human lie detector. Yes, this is the, the conceit. She can tell when someone is lying. She cannot tell what they're lying about. Just that she just like knows if someone tells a lie. She always says bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> she knows when someone's telling a lie. Now she can't. It's weird can't. because in, in Knives Out that was at least partially an lie. element of it. She yeah. couldn't lie. Yeah. This is yeah, this is a thing basically she it's an interesting thing because they, the way they play it, like you don't always think about it. Because people lie all the time. And yeah. she mentions this in the first episode. She's like she's like, it's not as useful as you think, because people lie all the time for stupid reasons. And so someone will lie to her and she like later in the episode will be like, 
look, this is a dumb thing, and I'm sure there's a reason. Can you tell me why you lied about this? Right. Uh-huh. And what happens is that she, uh, very quickly, she figured out that she was great at, like, gambling, because she could read when people were bluffing, but she got caught by this mob boss, and basically, instead of breaking her legs, he let her work for his casino as, like, a, a shop girl, yeah. like a like a... Like a, a Waitress. Yeah, waitress. Yeah. But she was not allowed to gamble ever again. Correct. So it opens with her working for Adrian Brody, who's the son of this mob oh. guy, running casino, and Benjamin Bratt is like his fixer. Yep. And she is supposed to help them take down take money from one of their whales. What, but what's kind of her friend gets murdered. Back up just yeah. slightly, yeah. because what's cool about these is that the first like twenty minutes of yep. every episode yep. doesn't even include Natasha Leon. It's a mini movie. It's a mini movie about the murder. About what happens and about the people involved in it, yep. and I think that is such a unique thing that yeah. we that you yeah. don't see anymore. Yeah, we know the audience knows exactly what happened, right? But it's just how you make it more unique if it was like skin of a rink. <laughs> <laughs> that would make it unique and terrible. But I mean, there like the one at the the gas station in the middle of yeah. nowhere about yeah. the guy killing or killing a guy over a, a lottery, lottery ticket. ticket. Yep, I, I thought some of that stuff was so interesting because the. Just the dynamic of the characters, yeah. and it's like their it, motivation. You get you get a little twenty minute mini movie, and the first two are Ryan Johnson directed. Yeah, um, and they're all gorgeously shot. It's like really oh. good looking, and he's got a great cast. Like Judith Light was in the latest one. Yeah, like an older an older woman. Um, uh, I forget who was in the barbecue one. It was Little Ray uh, Howard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was phenomenal. He's managed to get a lot of good people in for like one episode because they're just here for one episode to play the... It seems like Ryan Johnson is pretty good at gathering people. Yeah. Cast. But I mean, Adrian Brody was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin Bratt, I, I oh, love. Oh, Chloe Savigny playing an all-aging punk rocker. Yeah, that He's was really a good lot too. of fun. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they start off as a little, little movie about a uh, small town, some kind of small thing that leads to a murder and then you see Natasha Leon and she comes in it tracks back. At a point, yeah, we're like, oh, I know where we are in this story now and I know a murder's about to happen. Yeah. And then she, because she can tell people are lying, she will ask, uh, she will start figuring it out. And she's actually pretty smart, too. Like, she yeah. figures out little clues. Because the lying is like a, a bit, but it's not all of, like, figuring out what happened. Right. I mean, uh, there's just lots of little things that she kind of picks up on. Yeah. And she kind of run, runs into murders everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, she is on the run after what happened in the first yes. episode. So she can't stay very long in places. Right. And if she uses an ATM... She has four he hours. He has four hours before they track her down. <laughs> uh, I love Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I, I love this show. This is great. Natasha so Leone is amazing. Yeah. The latest episode was interesting because it took, because it's, it's sort of formula in its way. I didn't see like, some of the twists coming for so the because last it's like What basically did you say she, earlier about a whale? Uh, the whale, it's a term for a casino. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know this term. Yeah, it's, they're, they're big. They're, the, the whale are the people who like come in and, and drop tons of money at the casino. Like hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars. Right. They're the ones who keep the casinos running. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, not an actual whale. That'd be weird. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not a mob boss like you guys. But the, the thing about, like, um, usually she meets and befriends someone who gets murdered, and then she solves the murder. Right. This latest time, she befriended the murderers. That's true. And I was wondering where they were going to go with that, and the way they played it out was really interesting. So wait a second, wait a second. Is this show, like, surreal? Why no. Would she, why would she randomly meet and befriend them? Uh, she just happens to meet all these people. She just happens to be in the wrong place. Murder happens time. everywhere. Natasha Lone is, is surreal that by its, its very nature. It's murder she wrote in a lot of ways. Right. It's I got not that, that either. It's, it's got a little bit of that. It's sort of like, there's going to be a murder in every episode. And Columbo is going to bump like 
Columbo's like it's one thing if you're the... like, but like Columbo was a, like a, like a forensic guy or whatever, right? Wasn't he a private, invest- a private, private investigator? investigator okay, think, yeah. yeah, I was thinking of uh, uh, Quincy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but like he's like his job is to go to crime scenes. She just walks into him. She's she's on the edge of society. She is basically okay. she's off the grid because she can't she can't afford to be on the grid. So she's she keeps running into people who are sort of on the edge of society. And I think there's a lot more. There's supposed to be basically a lot more murder there. Okay. And it kind of works. Like, yeah, she just keeps running. You into can people. pull threads and be like, "Why does she keep running into people why does she keep who get running killed?" Into murders, yeah. But, uh, but it works. It, it works. It, it, it yeah, never no, begs I, I the trust, question. Uh, if you say it, if say it works, I, I, I trust you. I'm just like from a distance. That's surreal. It is. Well, yeah. Why can she detect when people are lying? Also weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, usually, like, I feel like you pick one weird thing, and that's like that's two. Weird that's two. Things. That's fair. Um, the uh, well, where is where's the show? Uh, uh, Peacock. Okay. It's a Peacock original, I think. It is. Yeah. It's a ten episode or an ten episodes. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, so yeah, if you get Peacock, you can watch Poker Face and you can watch Quantum Leap. It's true. And also Girls Five Ever, which is great. Peacock's got a lot. I will they say. do have a lot of good stuff, and they also have sad stuff and British stuff. <laughs> no, that's Apple. Oh, you're right. No, Peacock also has sad British stuff. They have British stuff. I didn't know they had sad stuff. Oh, uh, you may be right. Maybe they just have British stuff. They do have British yeah. stuff. I don't recommend British Peacock. I recommend American Peacock. I liked that one British Peacock that took place on a submarine. That one was cool. Okay. <laughs> I'll just nod. <laughs> That's All what right. I was going for. Speaking, speaking of Apple, they have a new one from Bill Lawrence, who is the guy who did Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso and Scrubs, yep. uh, called Shrinking, that is uh, basically about a therapist whose wife died about a year ago. He is not handling it well. And his daughter's not handling his it well. His daughter's not handling it well because he kind of abandoned her. And he's trying to, he's kind of struggling with his uh, job who, as yeah. a therapist. Yeah. And so this opens with him deciding that he is going to become a vigilante therapist. Yeah, vigilante therapist. And basically just tell people what they need to do. Yeah. And uh, uh, and it seems to go well until it first, doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, lead, the lead is Jason Siegel, who you might know from a number of things. How I Met Your How Mother. I met your mother. Um, his boss, the guy who owns the practice, is Harrison Ford, and he's yep. dealing with uh, Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Like clearly, he is he is on his way out. And his the other therapist working there is Jessica Williams, and she's always great. Mm-hmm. And his next door neighbor is Krista Miller, Bill Lawrence's wife, who you would know from Doctor as Doctor House's wife in Scrubs. She's great as uh, the best friend in Cougar Town. She's always great. Yeah, I love her as sort of the overstepping yeah. uh, neighbor who has become a surrogate mom for yeah. Jason Siegel's daughter. Uh, Jason Siegel befriends this guy who's like a he's like a Desert Storm vet who keeps getting in fights, and he decides the best way to handle it is to take him to learn, to learn boxing. <laughs> UFC, UFC, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff. Uh, it's very funny. It's very sweet. It's very much in that Bill Lawrence sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, I know a show is really good when my wife laughs like uncontrollably it's a little very bit. Funny. There are some jokes here that just land. Yeah, uh, but also I, I find Harrison Ford in this to be like some of the best he's, I've seen him. He's great. I haven't seen him in nineteen twenty three yet, but clearly TV agrees with him. Yeah, how is he doing nineteen twenty three and this and just made an Indiana Jones movie? I don't know. He is like. Maybe he just wants to work. Maybe right now. maybe weed gives you superpowers. I don't know. He's fueled by the pots. But I mean, he's really really good in this. He is really I, good in this. He's sweet. He's a little salty, but I mean, well, he's he very much feels like the Doctor Cox character in Scrubs. He is the mm. he seems like the irascible. Yeah. get off my lawn. But in fact, he's got a heart of gold. Yeah, I love his relationship with uh, Jason Segel's daughter. daughter. Yeah, uh, it, it's great. <laughs> I like the bit where he's talking to her, and she's he's she's like, if you tell him, he's going to want to hug me or something. <laughs> 
I like that uh, Harrison Ford is getting some like good roles that aren't just him having to do Han Solo and yeah, yes, Indiana Jones yep. for the eighth yeah. time and and be kind of a little bit pathetic and as like aging action heroes. Well, you know he. For the longest time, Harrison Ford seemed to want to be like. Remember that Hollywood Cops movie that he was in, where he had, he had the earring and it was him and Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah. Oh god. Like, there was a time I where, barely remember, but yeah. I think yeah. There, were, there was there was rumors. That I don't know about this. It seemed like Harrison Ford didn't want to age out of acting action roles. Like he wanted to stay mm-hmm. actiony, and maybe he's finally accepted. Oh, I'm old enough. I don't have to do that now. Yeah. Because he's good at these non action yeah. roles. Yeah, I he's agree. A, he's, he, had, he had a lot of good action roles, whether it's uh, like in was it Working Girl or yeah, um, he was good. At, but but always, it seemed like as he got older, he wanted to do the act, kind of like Liam Neeson. Yeah, he's like only wanted to do action, which I get it. You're getting older. You want to prove you can still do it, but yeah, uh, it's it's okay to to do some of the older roles where, and be the older mentor guy. Where do I know Jessica Williams from? Uh, Daily Show, for one thing. She was on the Daily Show for a long time. Oh, okay. Um, but she was in something else too. She's great. Um, uh, last thing, Nick, you were going to mention Lockwood and Company. Yeah, so this is a Netflix show. Uh, <clears throat> this is Yaw Fiction, right? This is Yaw Fiction. Uh, yeah, it is That's based YA on... fiction for those who aren't <laughs> keeping up with all our in-jokes. No, get used to it. <laughs> uh, so yes, this is a, a YA uh, book series about sort of an alt-world where there was an event uh, that kind of, a catastrophic event that caused ghosts to basically rise up. Ah. And uh, there's like ghost touch that get killed or put in like these comas. And there are groups of not children, but teens. Some can see and hear them, mm-hmm. hear ghosts. And they're sort of like cataloged and put into groups that sort of hunt them. <laughs> and there are like affiliated ones with the government. Uh, that work for the government, and then there are kind of like offshoots and just by themselves. And Lockwood and Company is a small group that just started up. It all focuses on a main girl who uh, has like a unique gift. Their ghosts are categorized by one, twos, and threes. Mm-hmm. People can see ones and twos. Threes are ghosts that sort of can communicate uh, with people, and there aren't many people who can see them and communicate with them. This girl can. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's her ability just that sort of rockets them to a little bit of star power in some regards, but it definitely clashes with government agents. And uh, it's it's unique because of the world building, I find. Hmm. Uh, I, I was yeah, actually... I was say, the world building sounds really strong. The world building was really cool, and I kind of like that. What's the, the tone? The tone is a little... I, this is not a knock on it, but it is kind of Whedon-ish. Uh, it's got some jokes thrown in there. Yeah. There, uh, there are some very strong stories, mm-hmm. uh, but it is kind of jokey at times. Uh, cuts like some of the darkness that they're dealing with and the murder and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it focuses on three characters. The girl, Lockwood, who's the, the lead, and then their kind of uh, information guy, who's yeah. a little nerdy... Uh, dude that does all their research. Uh, I don't know. The show builds on a really interesting story for the first season, and there's some backstory with Lockwood. It does all the right world building, and I felt it like executed very well. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was only eight episodes, so it was very quick. Mm-hmm. They're like 30 or 35 minute episodes, so it's not like you're sticking around for long. Okay. It's very breezy, huh. uh, but very entertaining. Alright. Where's that one? Netflix. All right, uh, that will do it for us this week. We'll, in theory, unless there's more rain or ice or some other catastrophe, we'll be back next week with more. 
And it until, can't possibly happen. <laughs> until next time, yo, Joe. Roguecast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.